just wanted to share a small encouragement. Maybe this is for someone in here, but it certainly blessed me. You know, there's a, a scripture where the line goes that we offer up a sacrifice of praise. I don't know about you, but I came in this morning. I was in knots. I had a whole lot going on. I had a panic attack and lots of stuff going on. Yeah, lots of stuff going, stuff, a lot of stuff going on in life. And I come in, I don't want to worship. <laughs> and uh, just the music started, and I just asked the Lord, Father, take it. Calm me down. Take the stress. And he did. He's so faithful. So if that's you, if you just can't, because that's where you're at, just give it to him. It's called a sacrifice of praise, because when you give it to him, he takes it, and he lifts it off you. So if that's for you this morning, ah, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Let us pray. Ah, oh, Father, thank you. Thank you that you're here. Thank you that your presence is rich and true and peace, Lord. I just pray that you bless our time together, that you, you, you're faithful to your word, that you promise that it, it goes forth and you encapsulate, you inhabit your praises and your words, Father. So bless our time together. Thank you for everyone who's here, Lord, and for those who are not, Father. Thank you. Thank you for our church family. We praise you in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Oh, I don't need my glasses. Um, Pastor Tark started a message a couple of weeks entitled The Final Command. Uh, and Pastor Paul continued it last week. And today, I get to wind it up, close it, or put a bow on it, so to speak. So it's the final command, part three. If you haven't been here the last couple of weeks, or you've only been to one, or haven't been here at all, the gist of the message is addressed in a quote that I reckon sums it up. And um, Pastor Tark gave it the first um, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, if we could have that quote up, please. It says, We've strayed from being fishers of men to being keepers of the aquarium. We've strayed from being fishers of men to being keepers of the aquarium. When we were given the final command, I don't think that's what Jesus had in mind. Yeah? In fact, it's not but it's what we've let happen, and we need to stop it. We need to change and go back to what he's told us to do. And what did he tell us to do? Mark 16, verse 15 to 18. I'm going to turn around and read it. Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons, they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Go into all the world. We have mistakenly believed that that is only talking to those people who are missionaries, the people that God has called to Africa, China, India, third world countries, overseas. That's talking to them. The problem with believing that means that you can then say, so that's not me. I'm not called to Africa. I'm not a missionary. 
So that's not talking to me. And that's not right. The world is around you. The world where you are, where you live, work, and play, that's the world. Pack and save, the post office, the gym, might attend, mum's groups, gym's groups, sports groups, that's the world. You're in it, that's talking to you. Preach the gospel means sharing. We've got to share the gospel. We've mistakenly believed that that is talking to people who have gone to Bible college, have a theological degree, know the scripture verse off by heart, and know the Bible inside out. The problem with believing that is that you then say, then that's not talking to me. I can't do that. I'm not holy enough. I'm not qualified. But that's not right. The most effective way of pointing people to Jesus, did you know? It's you. You're it. Whether you realize it or not, you are preaching with your life. Can you imagine that? You are preaching with your life. People see you. (laughs) The more different we are to the world, that's what attracts them. Why? Because in the world, everything that's attractive... Success, uh, fame, fortune, it's out there. Everyone can see it. It's the things that the world say will make you happy. Does it? Does it really? You know that. You see that. Think of the things that you wanted to do, achievements that you've wanted, places you want to go, people you want to see, and when you got there, meh, okay, this is it. It's not enough. And it doesn't satisfy. So you want more. You want more and more. So the difference that we have that the world wants to see is not out there for the world to see. Unless it's through you. Unless you share. And what is it? It's peace, kindness, grace, forgiveness, freedom, true freedom. You know, a person who stands out on their own and not with the crowd That's the person that you want to say, what is it? How come they're not going with the crowd? That's what we want. I have a quote. An interesting quote. I don't know who said it. Some people aren't saved because they haven't met a Christian. Some people aren't saved because they have met a Christian. I know it's funny, but it's true. Your life is speaking whether you realize it or not, whether you care about it or not. A friend of mine shared a story. She went, she was driving to the post office, and when she turned into the car park, she was behind a car that had Christian stickers all on the back. And she thought, that's awesome. And when they went to park, she was parking next to the car, and a mum and her two teenagers got out. And she said, awesome stickers. And the lady smiled, and they just nodded, and they went in. And there was a bit of a queue, and my friend let the lady go in front. And when the lady got to the counter, clearly whatever she was dealing with was not going her way. Because she started to raise her voice. And then she started to yell. And then she started to scream. And then she started being condescending and mean to the clerk. And then she started to swear, and she ended up screaming for the manager. And my friend said she literally did this. 
and she said she was thinking about it before. It wasn't at the awkward, embarrassing situation of that. She remembered that scripture that talked about us being a body. And she said, that hurt the body. And I felt it. I like felt it in my heart. And I don't know if anybody else in the shop knew she was a Christian and a believer, but I did. You, your life is speaking regardless of where you are and what you do. And so our lives are meant to point to Jesus. Why? So as the passage says, that we will be saved. That others, sorry, that others will be saved. Share the word. Share who you are, whether in passage or in personality. Back to the aquarium. On Friday, I went to Whangarei to take uh, my daughter to a specialist doctor's appointment, and in, I had to wait in the reception area, and they had an aquarium. And because I'd been thinking of aquariums all week, I thought, okay, let's study this aquarium. Well, first up, they're beautiful, are they not? Aquariums are so, they're stunningly, but dazzlingly beautiful. You just stare at it, you can stare at it all day. Two things struck me. This is an environment that's created to look like the real thing, but it isn't quite. Because in amongst the real plants and the real rocks are fake plants and fake rocks. The water is so clean, and when it gets dirty, someone else comes and cleans it. And it occurred to me, there is nothing in that aquarium, nothing in that world that challenges the fish or makes them struggle. Because if they were in the real world, like Great Barrier Reef, their day would be living to survive, finding food and avoid being eaten by a shark. Like the real world. In the aquarium, they're just living to look pretty, just going around. The second thing that struck me is the nature of the aquarium by design is so that someone on the outside can stand looking in. There's no interaction, I can't touch them, and the fish don't even know that you're looking at them. They don't care. They're just in their own little world. Is this us? Have we become like that, creating something that looks like the world out there for others to sort of stand outside and look in? How do we stop being keepers of the aquarium and return to being fishers of men? Well, to start off, we need to understand that this, the gathering, this is not the end game. This is a means to the end game, but this is not it. We gather as a body to be encouraged, to be strengthened, to prepare us for what's in the real world. Kind of like a gym. I always think of it like a spiritual gym. You come in for a workout, and I have the picture of a, a pair sparring in a boxing ring. You've seen it. One's punching and one's holding out. Not that we're fighting, but the idea is the person who's boxing is trying to you know, learn what he needs to do, trying to get stronger. The person holding is taking it to help them, to support them. And then when he's done, they swap. That's what this is. We've often heard it said that the church is not the building, it's the people. Yeah? And I was listening to a podcast the other week where the pastor said that he has uh, specifically started referring to the auditorium as separate to the church. So he'll say, see you at the auditorium on Sunday. Like we'd say, see you at Tiahu on Sunday. Why? To be with the church. 
And when you do it that way, you are making yourself part of the church. Because often what we do when we say church, it's something that's over there, that's at arm's distance. But when we become part of the church, we're the family. Because, you know, the flip side of that is if you're part of the church, and I was just thinking in this day of cancel culture, if you say, I'm going to cancel the church, you cancel yourself. If you say, I'm going to cut off the church, you cut off yourself. So if we think of it like that, it's something that we're a part of, yeah? 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part in it. We want to be fishers of men, not looking after the aquarium. Acts 26, 18 says, this is a way that we can stop being keepers of the aquarium and be fishers of men, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. It's understanding that without Jesus, we are in darkness. Ephesians 5.8 says, for at one time you were darkness. It doesn't say you were like dark. It says you were darkness. But now you are the light of the world. So this is Paul talking. He's in court. And they're accusing him of preaching the gospel. And he's been given the opportunity to speak and explain himself. And he tells the story. Before this, he tells the story that he used to hunt and kill Christians Scripture says that he was violently opposed to them. And on this particular day, he was on his way to kill some more Christians. Think of it like a hitman. He was on a hit. He was going to hit someone. And God encountered him in the middle of that journey. He had an encounter with God that changed his life because God opened his eyes and enabled him to see the light. Now, that's about the most ultimate example of darkness to light that you'll see in the Bible. Yeah? I mean, Paul just wasn't just dark like, I'm going to do my own thing, I'm going to be sinful and live for myself. He was the darkness that was literally hunting down the light to kill it. That's how dark he was. But God changed it. That realm of spirituality, prayer. Prayer is the only thing that arrests it. Prayer is the thing that will bring God on the, on, on the situation where things are going really, really dark. Only God can do that. Here's a true story. In Argentina, there is a prison in an area called Olmos in the 80s. So this happened a few years back. So this church, prison sorry, had a satanic church in it. Um, and that might surprise us and be weird, but South, South America... They, uh, they grow up, they live amongst the occult, witchcraft, and black magic. So when we say satanic church, we, we are like, to them it's, okay, normal. A satanic church next to a Christian church. So this prison had a satanic church. A pastor found out about it, and he wanted to go in and evangelize. They weren't going to let him. No, no doors open. And they said to him, the only way that he can go in is if he became a guard. So he applied to be a guard, and they said, no, it wouldn't let him in. But then God opened up a door, 
He was visiting the prison one day when one of the uh, officers had an asthma attack and choked and looked like he was dying. And this pastor laid his hands on him, prayed, and he was healed. That opened the door. So they allowed him into the prison, and he just started preaching. Men got saved, kept preaching. More men got saved, preaching to the point where 60% of the prison were Christian. So that meant the satanic church had to shut down. Then men from that church who got saved, got transferred to other prisons, they were preaching in all the other prisons. The church was rising in there. This is the power of God. The, the, his influence was so great that the authorities came to him and asked him if he would open up or oversee a Christian prison. Who knew? A 100% Christian prison. And so he did. That prison is the biggest of its kind in the world, and it is called Christ the Only Hope. still exists today. In fact, you know, Google the story, Almost Argentina, on YouTube, and you'll see an amazing story. So this church inside a prison operates like a church outside. They fast. They do missions. They're feeding the poor from inside the prison. Look at that. The light that can go into the dark places, yeah, and change people. That's us returning to being fishers of men, yeah? Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Another way that we stop being keepers of the aquarium. It says to ooh, Acts 4, verse 12. I know I should have had it written out. It's not on there. That's okay. We have it printed out. See, I knew you couldn't rely on technology. It was probably me. Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says, There is no salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. We've got to let the world know that there is one way to be saved, amen? One way to heaven, one God. That's, the scripture was um, a declaration that Peter made. Remember Peter, the guy who dissed Jesus three times? But this was the day after Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, and the scripture says that boldness came upon him, and he was able to stand and declare that. Jesus had gone, the Holy Spirit had come, and it changed the game. It was game on. I'm all about games today. But this is what the Holy Spirit did, the boldness that he gave. And so he got up and he declared that truth. He was in court, by the way. One God. I follow um, a couple of people on social media who used to be in the New Age movement, Big players in New Age. One of them used to have the biggest webs New Age website that had half a million followers. The other one was one of their top authors. She, she sold millions of books in the New Age, both radically safe for Christ. And they'll tell you, people are searching. The world is searching for something. There are a million questions that people have, and there are a million answers to those questions. But is it the one true answer? If you don't know the truth, you'll accept anything. And New Age, they believe lots of gods, lots of paths to get to Jesus. 
They'll even call him Jesus. But they're in deception. And it was really interesting for them to read the, the comparison between being in the dark and in the light. And, you know, in New Age, every other religion, they tell you you're going to find peace, you're going to find success, all good things come through us. And he said it doesn't. It's a lie. Because he came to know the one true God. We need to share that. We need to be letting people understand that. Because they're deceived. Everyone's looking for God. But which God? The one true God. Amen? Matthew 22, 37 to 39. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You know, another way we become fishers of men is caring, caring for people. We hear that passage a lot, the love God bit, we're okay with that. The neighbor, mm, not always, maybe. Why? You don't get to choose your neighbor. You don't get to choose who lives next to you, who you work with, who crosses your path at Pack and Save. You don't get who, to choose who enters your sphere of influence. You know, I mentioned before that our ga gathering is not the end game. The final command is the end game. But can I suggest to you that as an individual believer, the end game is who you are around people who don't know Jesus. You and I are in the image of the Most High God. Wherever he has put you, he has put you there to bear his image to fulfill the final command. There's a quote by DC Talk. I don't know if any of you, hands up here, anyone who knows who DC Talk is? Wow, cool. Most of us are showing your aid. Lincoln and Emma, that surprises me, but cool. The greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him with their lifestyle. This is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. True? Yeah. You know, it occurred to me one Sunday, walking through that door as I smelt the popcorn at the movies, make me hungry. And it occurred to me once, I think I'd gone through a couple of times. When you walk through that front door, you can turn left or right. In both cases, you're entering a big room. You're sitting around a whole bunch of people you may or may not know. You're sitting, you're watching, you're listening to something for a couple of hours. It might excite you, might encourage you, might bore you. Heck, you even get food thrown in. When the left side leave, they've had two hours of escapism, something maybe to, you know, make their day a little bit better, and then they're back into the real world. Probably no different to when they went in. But when you go back out of this door, something should have changed. Amen? Something should have shifted. Something should have happened that you are out that door again, back into the real world, ready to face the world in a different way. 
they should be different, but I feel like sometimes they're not. Sometimes it's no difference. Sometimes you may just about have turned left and gone in, yeah? You know, I'm a firm believer there's no such thing as boring church. I don't know about you. Of course, com- delivery is important. Some people are better communicators than others. But I firmly believe when the Word of God is open, it speaks. If I'm going to come with an expectant heart, I'm not coming to get my ears tickled and to be entertained. You open the Word of God, the Holy Spirit will speak to you, yeah? So every time we come through that door, we leave it, something must have changed. Finally, with Acts 2.17, we're looking at why, how we need to stop being keepers of the aquarium. This is a prophecy from the book of Joel. It shall come to pass in the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. That is appropriate to today. And it's funny, the picture of Limitless Youth they had earlier on that had the final command little thing on the end, I thought that's awesome because you are embodying that. And even our old ones, the old shall dream dreams, the young will prophesy and step out with the Holy Spirit in prayer, sharing the Word of God and caring for each other. The Holy Spirit changes everything, and we had a lot of teaching on that. A lot of teaching this year and last year, emphasizing on the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit changes things, changes you from a dull, lifeless, just anybody out there to someone who God has called for a purpose. Amen. Wherever you are, mamas at home looking after babies, people working in orchards, all of us, that is the final command. Now, you know, everything I kind of put together today can be summed up with a DVD that you can get by J. Johns. Do you all remember J. John? Those of you who went to conference? Yeah. So he has a series out called Prayer, Share, Care. Essentially what I've been talking about today. All those things that if we stay true to, we're not just going to be living in an aquarium. Go out into the world and preach the gospel to every creature that they may be saved. I say, let's get out of the aquarium. In fact, no, let's smash the glass, yeah? Smash it so that we are released to do what God has called us all to do. To be faithful to the final command. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. I was like, shall we pray? Yeah, praying's always good. <laughs> Lord, I thank you. I pray that your word and somehow stirred. Lord, we need to know that the end game for us is the end game that you gave us 2,000 years ago when you died on the cross. That has never changed. Lord, forgive us for when we fall short of that and we make it something that it was never meant to be, Lord. Thank you that you give us prayer. Thank you that you show us how to share. And Lord, give us hearts to care. Thank you, Father, in your mighty, precious name. Amen.